You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they... Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Evert, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 11. Before we begin today's episode, uh, Jason and I wanted to let everyone know that we're going to try something uh, new here during the month of December. And that is we're going to allow uh, our listeners to submit questions to us. And if we get enough questions, then we will dedicate uh, an episode to that in January. And specifically what we're looking for are questions uh, that people have about podcasts that we have already done. Uh, Of course, we would always uh, welcome feedback about things that you'd like us to cover in the future. But specifically on this, we want to uh, offer a chance to clarify Uh, any questions that people may have from previous podcasts. Uh, One of the reasons that we started this podcast was to reach, you know, the average layperson. And so I want to make sure that we address uh, well any questions uh, that they may have. Please submit those questions to us either through our Facebook page or you can email them to me at fatheraaron at stmarywichita.org. That's F-R-A-A-R-O-N at S-T-M-A-R-Y-W-I-C-H-I-T-A dot org. And with that, uh, I'll turn it over to Jason to begin this week's episode. Today's passage is from Luke chapter 24, verses 12 through 35. At that time, Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, wondering to himself what had happened. That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Art thou the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He appeared to be going further, but they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, 
Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with him, who said, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. One thing to clarify for me as we begin, Father, Cleopas was one of the two that walked on the road to Emmaus. Who was the other person? And was it the author of this gospel himself? Well, we aren't really sure, to be honest, uh, because the person is never explicitly named. Uh, some people do speculate it was Luke, uh, but to me, Peter makes uh, more sense. Uh, now, note that Peter is named at the beginning and the end of this passage, uh, though, again, it never never explicitly states that it was Peter who was with Cleopas. Uh, so it could have been Luke or even someone else. Uh, but in addition to the mention of Peter at the beginning and the end, uh, I think the context of the story makes it uh, more likely that it was Peter. So could you explain what you mean by that, Father? I'm not sure that I quite understand. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, and I was actually really glad uh, to see you had selected this reading, Jason, uh, because for me, it, it was really a turning point in my understanding of the New Testament. It, it confirmed something to me that I had been thinking as I was uh, learning more and more about Scripture at seminary. And this story was uh, like the tipping point. It, it was the story where I said, okay, you know, now I'm convinced uh, beyond any reasonable doubt. That's interesting. So what is going on here, and, and what's the bigger picture? Uh, this story really solidified for me that a person cannot truly and fully understand what's going on in the New Testament unless you understand the context of the Roman occupation of Jerusalem, the Jewish hopes for the Messiah to defeat the Romans in order to have their own national sovereignty, and Jesus being in fact the Messiah but doing something entirely different. So please do explain, as, as that's not at all what I first thought of when reading this passage. Uh, so we have this story with the setting being after Jesus' death and immediately following his first appearance after his resurrection. Uh, but these two disciples either hadn't gotten word or they didn't believe the word uh, or were simply, you know, still confused. Uh, in any case, from the story, it's clear that they were sad. And they were sad not just because Jesus, uh, you know, the man who they had followed and inevitably had grown close to, had died. Uh, they were also sad because they thought he was the Messiah. But they're asking themselves, how could he be the Messiah? There, there was no deliverance from the Roman occupation. Uh, Jesus hadn't done what they clearly thought he was going to do. And so that's, you know, that's another reason why they're sad. And we hear that these disciples are going to Emmaus, uh, somewhere that's not mentioned in any of the other Gospels or books of the New Testament. Uh, so it's very strange, very unique uh, for it to be mentioned here. Uh, most of us associate Emmaus, of course, with this story. Uh, but at the time of Jesus, Emmaus was well known for the Battle of Emmaus, uh, where Judah Maccabee had conquered the forces of the Seleucid Empire. Uh, and this empire was a Hellenistic empire, and uh, essentially preceded the Roman Empire. Uh, so we're talking over 150 years uh, before the birth of Christ uh, when this battle took place. And Emmaus had been an important battleground uh, for Jewish independence. It was a place where the Maccabee forces had won and threw back the occupiers. Uh, of course, the Maccabee movement ultimately did not succeed because 150 plus years later, at the time of Christ, uh, the Jews still did not have national sovereignty. 
they were still under the boot of the Romans. Uh, so although that battle, that specific battle of Emmaus succeeded, uh, the war was ultimately still one of failure. So how does this relate then to the story in Luke and these two disciples? Well, I'm convinced that what's going on here is that these disciples saw the defeat of Jesus, how his peaceful movement had apparently failed uh, by any objective measure at that time, you know, a couple of days after his death. And so they decided to go back to the way of Emmaus. Uh, They were headed back to do violent battle with the Roman occupation, just like had been done uh, at the Battle of Emmaus. Uh, They were going to look for the real Messiah because to them now, after the humiliating death of Jesus, uh, they were certain that he was not actually the Messiah. So Jesus appears to them on this road and says, Hey, hold up. You don't need to go back down that losing road. You don't understand yet. So let me show you how this is playing out according to Scripture and how ultimately I am victorious. And again, to me, this is is the only understanding of this story that makes any sense. I mean, otherwise you just have a story of Jesus appearing to two disciples in uh, this rather strange manner, and they just happen to be going to Emmaus. Uh, But I'm of the opinion that the authors of Scripture don't just include uh, names of places and other details like this by chance. Uh, Writing at that time was expensive. We talked about it on the last episode with the scribes and and how you didn't have the printing press. So it's it's very expensive to write at this time, and you don't include details uh, that were not important, at least in the opinion of the authors. And Emmaus in this story is really important, especially when you consider it within this broader context that I mentioned, this backdrop of the gospel, uh, which I've learned literally infiltrates every story of the New Testament. That's very interesting. It's not something that I had ever considered, but it certainly does make sense. And I do want to get back to this appearance of Jesus and how he, at least initially, hid himself. But before that, and to kind of conclude this segment, why do you say that this context leads you to conclude that it was most likely to be Peter that was with Cleopas? Well, the Gospels and and Paul's epistles kind of pick on Peter. Uh, I mean, ultimately, of course, Peter is rehabilitated. Uh, and I'm not saying anything, uh, insinuating anything to the contrary. Uh, but he clearly uh, doesn't get it uh, many times, uh, especially at first. Uh, he, he has issues with Jesus. Uh, he has issues later with Paul. Uh, he, he vacillates. He goes back and forth. Uh, but what sticks out to me most here is that Peter was the one who, just a few days prior to this story, cut off the ear of the soldier arresting Jesus. In other words, Peter still didn't get that this Messiah named Jesus was not the type of Messiah that he and and most of the Jews were looking for. Uh, He was not going to violently push back the Roman occupation. Uh, Rather, Jesus was going to convert them, convert the Romans, through the peaceful message of Scripture, a message uh, that says that all humans were created in God's image, that God loves all people, and that we should put our differences aside to sit down at his table at his banquet together, and accept that we all stand before him, that is to say that we all stand before God on the basis of his mercy towards us. So it seems what you're saying is that Peter was ripe to be on this metaphorical road to Emmaus, that he was still misunderstanding the role of the true Messiah. Absolutely. Uh, As were, I would point out, you know, the other disciples, of course. But again, Peter is just the one who takes center stage in the Gospels. 
So getting back to Jesus' appearance, the two disciples experience a roller coaster of emotion here from despair to exhilaration and and also in their faith moving from doubt to belief what was the purpose of jesus first hiding his identity from them and then later revealing himself my reading of it would be that the disciples did not understand nor see the real messiah until they understood scripture and so that's what happens in this story the resurrected messiah the reigning messiah Jesus uh, does not appear to them to be the Messiah. Honestly, he, he just seems uh, like a commoner. And this is probably a topic for another time, but this is essentially uh, what is meant by uh, Jesus being called the Son of Man, that he's a commoner. Uh, he doesn't seem special to them because he was not the Messiah that they wanted or predicted, and he was not reigning as the Messiah in the way they thought that he would reign. Uh, they thought he would be more like King David. Uh, But once these events had all taken place and then Jesus goes back and points it out to them in Scripture, uh, then ultimately they do recognize him and accept him as uh, their true Messiah. That leads me into my final questions on this passage. In verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Father, that had to be an incredible moment. Are we to understand that Jesus opened their eyes to the Old Testament and provided them with all of this knowledge? And was this knowledge preserved and passed on? And if so, where can we find it? Uh, Yes, absolutely. That is what Jesus did. He opened their eyes to see what Scripture was really saying. And at that time, uh, what we now call the Old Testament uh, was all that was considered Scripture. Uh, So, yes, Jesus provided them with his insight into Scripture, and they finally got it, so to speak. Uh, But, of course, it's a message that requires us to be reminded of it repeatedly because it's so contrary uh, to our human, worldly ways of thinking. Uh, And that then leads into the final part of your question. Uh, Yes, this knowledge was preserved, and it was passed on in what we now call the New Testament. Uh, So it is there for people to hear and to see. Now, obviously, most of us uh, read this New Testament in a translation, and for many things, that's satisfactory. Uh, But we really need to dedicate ourselves uh, to learning from people who know the text in its original, or even uh, for some of us learning the original itself. Uh, We need to study the historical context of the time in which the New Testament was written uh, so that we can gain better insights into what the text is saying. And when we do that, uh, then we see how it's still applicable to us today. And I would just conclude by pointing out that Jesus finished this teaching with his disciples by breaking bread with them. And this clearly has uh, what we might call Eucharistic overtones. Uh, It was a model of the New Testament church. The New Testament church comes together around this teaching of Jesus. Again, what we now call the New Testament And we break bread together, remembering his teaching and his sacrifice as the true Messiah. And and I want to point out that this peaceful teaching, this rejection of taking up arms to fight off your opponent, can actually be seen throughout Christian history. Uh, You certainly see it uh, in the lives of the early martyrs. Many of us are aware of those stories. Uh, But we also saw it and heard about it in modern-day Syria just a few years ago, Uh, where so many of the Christians were offered weapons 
uh, to fight against the invaders, to fight against their enemies. And, and they essentially said, no, uh, we're Christians. We will just go live in peace elsewhere, uh, but we will not accept your arms. Uh, I heard stories, uh, many stories coming out of, of, of Syria where uh, Christians took this approach. It's a very powerful witness. Uh, and it might not lead to quick victories like the Battle of Emmaus did, um, but those types of victories are, are short-lived anyway. They don't last. You know, as Jesus said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Eventually, someone else will come and defeat you or your descendants. Uh, another empire will replace yours. In Scripture, on the other hand, uh, we're promised that the victory that comes with martyrdom, uh, the victory that comes from following Jesus' peaceful message, leads to everlasting life in God's kingdom, a victory that even death cannot overcome. Very interesting discussion. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, Father Aaron explained the underlying meaning of the story commonly referred to as the road to Emmaus from Luke 24. After providing evidence for Peter as the unidentified disciple in the passage, he went on to explain the reasons for their despair. While saddened over the recent death of Jesus, their anguish primarily was focused on the fact that Jesus, whom they believed to be the Messiah, the one that would deliver them from Roman occupation, had been utterly defeated. Looking to take matters into their own hands and fight back against the Romans, the two disciples headed down the road and encountered Jesus along the way. Jesus then reveals all understanding concerning himself and the scriptures, and the disciples' eyes are opened. They had finally understood that Jesus, the Messiah, did not come to push back against the Romans with force, but rather to convert them through the peaceful message of scripture. And 2,000 years later in Syria, our brothers and sisters in Christ have given all of us a great witness to this teaching, that following this peaceful message will lead us to eternal life with God in his kingdom. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to thee, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.